Very good morning to all of you. I want to greet you in the name of the Lord. I'm so glad to be home. Uh, I've brought you many greetings from uh, brethren uh, in, in Germany. One of them, of course, I don't forget to mention my name, Pastor Sadajuk, together with the whole team. So uh, we are very glad uh, to, to have brethren all over the place and uh, we are united. So greetings also from my family in Germany, uh, that is Oliver and his family, Sandra and uh, her family. So we want to thank God for their lives as well. Today, uh, I'm glad to be home. Even so, uh, somehow, I'm not yet fully, uh, fully uh, uh, in the strength that I had expected to be. You know, I had a very uh, terrible cold uh, while I was in, in Germany. And while I recovered most of it, uh, uh, later on, mom also got it. That's why she is not with me today. Um, so I'm, I'm still having some backache here and there. But don't, you know, we are vessels. And uh, what we should understand is that God wants to use us. Uh, we are never, ever perfect. But God, nevertheless, has made a choice to use us every single day. And so I'm glad to be with you today, and I want to share uh, God's word with you. My, my subject today is set the priorities that keep you safe. Set the priorities that keep you safe. Let me take, uh, take you to the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 27. <clears throat> These are words of Jesus, and he says, All things have been committed to me by my Father, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are very unburdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Okay, Jesus is making a, a challenge to us to make a choice. He says, come to me. Of course, we can go elsewhere, but he says, come to me. All you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. The Bible reads, Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much that we can be able to concentrate on these eternal words that you have given to us. Lord, we are here to listen. We are here to understand, and we are here to make a choice once again in our lives 
to follow you. So Lord Jesus, I pray that may this word be convicting our hearts where we need to make a move in our own lives. We look up to you, Lord, knowing that you are speaking to us words of eternal life. And Lord, these are the words that we have come to receive today. To you be the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. My theme, as I said, is set the priorities that keep you safe. You know, every one of us has choices to make. And those choices, they come to us more or less daily. Okay? Uh, good choices that we make. Sometimes we make poor choices. But let me, let me explain. You know, uh, in life, we have always a dichotomy. That means we have two, two options sometimes more than two options, but uh, there are two dimensions that are very clearly outlined in Scripture. You know, we can serve God or we can serve Mammon. And I will uh, come back to what this means in detail a little bit later. But, you know, every day we are making a choice. I'm sure when you go to the shop, you are choosing when you come home what to do with the things that you bought. Okay, many of the things that you buy, they come with packaging. And of course, we know packaging is just like the chaff that is uh, growing with the wheat or the other uh, crop. And the chaff you don't want to keep in your home. So the packaging, even so, you got it. You know, it was part of the, the deal. You, you, you decide to not eat it. I mean, would you ever think of eating the packaging and throw away the, the content? Obviously not. I mean, that's a very simple choice to make, isn't it? And yet, you know, in life, we very often miss exactly that because we are making a choice to keep the things that are secondary or not necessary. You know, we are making uh, things important that are really not important. So. Having a priority means we need to choose the things that bring us value, that give us life, that bring us, you know, uh, future and eternity uh, in ahead of us. And I think today uh, God really wants to uh, challenge us, you know, to, to look at the choices that we make, the priorities that we set. God has given us divine priorities to, to uh, accept we don't have to, but we have the choice to accept them. And when we uh, accept the divine priorities in our life, uh, that's when we are really safe in the hands of our God. Now, life constantly, constantly brings us um, attractive choices. Almost every day there are new things that are offered to us. Now, uh, we remember that this is uh, an ancient reality, uh, even from the very beginning of creation. You know, God uh, made Adam and Eve, he made them in his own image and likeness. He made them to really be rulers in this world that he had created. And he has uh, offered himself to guide them on the way of life to the, to the source of life, to the tree of life. That was God's gift to his creation. 
But along the way, there was another tree, and we know very well that was the tree of knowledge and good of evil, good and uh, good of, of, of knowledge of good and evil. And uh, that tree, uh, God said, do not eat from that tree. But uh, there was someone, you know, who decided to just choose that tree and make it look very, very attractive. Okay, we know this is Satan. Satan is always trying to counter the things that God is doing. So he made this tree look attractive. I don't know what he did, uh, but he, he, he probably had all kind of uh, PR in order to make this thing attractive, to make this thing almost like magnetic. <clears throat> because after all, this was a tree which shouldn't have concerned Adam and Eve even in the least bit, because it was a tree of which God said, don't eat from it. But to the contrary, Satan made that tree his target and was selling that tree to the two people that were in God's creation at the time. Osaka, you have advertising billboards all over. Some of them are video uh, uh, you know, clips and advertising is just everywhere. And of course, whether you like it or not, somehow in the back of your mind, you know, when you go to the shop, you, you think the, 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 the advertised goods must be something that is worthwhile buying. And, and somehow, whether we really think much about it, often we are just picking that good which was advertised, which we became very familiar with. And that's exactly what the, what the devil was doing. He was making something that God said, do not eat from it, very familiar to the, the people that were living at that time and sold that. And actually, he, he was a real marketer. He said, you know, when you eat from this tree, then your eyes will be opened. In other words, you will see a new reality, okay? And uh, when they said, no, but God said we should not uh, eat from that, then we will die. And, and the devil said, no, you will not surely die. So he was actually selling his goods in a way that made them look to be very attractive. And that's, that's what, what Satan does constantly, you know. God has given us life. God has given us, uh, you know, the eternal promise of the tree of life, of Christ himself, who is always full of uh, the treasures of God that are meant to flow into our lives. But somehow, somebody is trying to sell us something else that makes us fall short of what God has for us. So we must understand, <clears throat> while God offers us life and prosperity, there is somebody out there who is thinking of countless opportunities to sell us things that seem to be more attractive or better than what God has on offer to us. So God has committed himself in the word of promise. And I want you to understand this. You know, God has written everything down for us. He has not just spoken, he has written things for us. God has given us his promises. And uh, these promises cannot be changed. This word has been in existence for, 
you know, uh, the New Testament for over 2,000 years or 2,000 years and the Old Testament even for much longer than that. And God has committed himself, if you live in my ways, you will receive a reward. Okay, that's what faith is all about, that we believe in God, that he is someone who rewards faith. Okay, according to the definition of Hebrews chapter 11. He is a rewarder of those who believe in him. And God is a rewarder to all of us who believe, all of us who take him by his word. But along the way, <clears throat> there are these challenges that come along. They are not written down, okay? That are just given today in one way, tomorrow in a different way, actually very often opposing each other. And we are falling for it because maybe we have just an inclination for something that is being offered at that particular time. So Satan <clears throat> entices us with empty promises that never fully materialize. Maybe sometimes he gives us a little bit only uh, to cheat us out of the greater things that he has promised. Because Satan hasn't got anything to give to us. You know, Matthew chapter 11, verse 27 says, all things, this is what Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. All things have been committed to be my Father. So if you want to be a partaker of all things, then you need to come to Jesus. Because if you come to Satan, you won't get anything. Because he hasn't got anything. He's just a liar. He's just a deceiver. He's just taking the things that God has given to us and he twists them around. Instead of, you know, uh, us not eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he says, no, eat from it because then you will be like God. And that was a total lie. Of course, our eyes were opened and yes, we, we came to know evil. But now, from that moment on, we were no longer like God. We were now more like Satan. The nature of Satan took over our lives. And we see this very clearly in mankind, even up to our day. I mean, look around what is happening today. We have, we have people who have decided to go to war and, uh, you know, win over territory, take over, you know, uh, big chunks of land. But as a result, you know, uh, <clears throat> people have died, property has been destroyed, Great misery has come over many people, not only the ones who were attacked, but even the ones who were attacked. So in other words, when you walk the, the, the ways of evil, when you accept the enticement of Satan, you're never winning, you're always losing. And the ways of Satan will always be losing ways, never winning ways, because Satan hasn't got anything to give to us. You know, he hasn't even written a book where you can read what promises he has given to us. His promises are shifting every day. You know, today he says this, tomorrow he says something opposite. Because he's only playing to the gallery. You know, he's only playing to us, you know, whatever we think is attractive at the moment, at that moment of time. So Satan is just like a modern day marketer, okay? Only much more crafty, much more slick. He's always trying to sell us something that, of course, will not benefit us, 
but will harm us and hurt us in the long run. That's why we need to stand on the word of promise. God has given us his word for everyone to read, for everyone to check out, for everyone to prove. And thank God, his words has been proven true over and over again. And say it for my life, for my family, for his church. And, you know, there are people who can testify about that everywhere, even right here. So we thank God that we have something to stand upon, a foundation to stand upon. So we are not, uh, we are, we're not uh, being carried away, at least we shouldn't be carried away by cheap offers that are given to us. You know, I mean, you, you know, there is always sales going on and sometimes these sales, you buy them and, and when you come home, you realize that what you bought was the cheapest quality that you can imagine never really serving you in any way. So that's why we must beware of temporary excitement, of temporary offers that may want to guide us in ways that are not God's ways. You know, if we enter the competition of this world, then we find ourselves on the losing end over and over again. And that's why it is important that we, you know, choose what has value. Okay, we know where we are standing on. You know, we are using this, uh, this uh, uh, frame, this phrase, not everything that glitters is gold. And uh, of course, that is very, very much true when you see the offers that are given to us in this world. Whether you go in a shop, whether you are looking at the entertainment world, whether you're looking at the fashion, whether you're looking at anything that is happening today in our world, you realize not everything that glitters is gold. In fact, more often than not, it's not gold, okay? It's just shining, it's just glittering, but it's not really the value that it promises to have. So God, is rewarding our faith. That's, that's uh, what he has, he has uh, promised us very, very clearly in the book of Hebrews that when we believe in him, when we believe that he is God and that, you know, we, we trust him that he is a rewarder, he will reward us. And that's wonderful, okay? God will reward us. Because only God is a rewarder. And we should learn to please him by doing his will, by following his instructions, by doing what he desires. So when we live by faith, then we know that we have a reward coming our way. Do you know that Satan had not, has not only nothing on offer, but even he gets a reward from God, okay? In case you don't know, even uh, Satan is promised to get a reward from God. Okay, do you know that? Okay, so that's why Satan can't give you a reward because even him is getting a reward. And his reward is the lake of fire. Okay, and those who want to join him, they can actually join him to go into the lake of fire. 
That's Satan's reward, okay? He will get it here. He can't give you anything because he has got nothing. That's why Jesus said, all things have been committed to me by my Father. So Jesus is the one who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, over his creation, over this world, over every society, over every, every uh, you know, uh, nation and tongue in this world. And even so, not everybody follows him. Even so, not everybody loves him. At the end of the day, God will prevail in everything that he does. That's why Jesus says in uh, this wonderful scripture uh, in Matthew chapter 6 that, you know, those who trust him, those who seek his kingdom and his righteousness first will get all the benefits that other peoples are worrying about every day. Let me just read that passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. How many of you have been worrying about your life this week? How many of you have reasons to worry? I'm sure we have, isn't it? Plenty of them. But Jesus says, <clears throat> don't worry about your life, okay? Or what you will eat or drink about your body, what you will wear. <clears throat> Is not life more important than food? Okay, sometimes, you know, when things don't go well, maybe food... Uh, is a little bit of uh, rationing required in our homes or maybe money is not enough so we are trying to do with less. But Jesus says there is something more important than food. And clearly Jesus is underlining that fact. He says then, let me, let me go back to uh, uh, the food, okay? Therefore, I will tell you, do not worry about life or what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Okay, maybe you have got some new clothes to, to display today. You know, sometimes when we go out, we want to display the latest fashion that we have. But there's something more important than clothes. Amen? And, and Jesus is, is, is giving us uh, the valuation that we should uh, take note of. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Okay, so, so much for worry. Actually, you cannot add a single hour to your life, but if you worry too much, you can actually subtrantific, you know? May people, okay, by the way, that is very much uh, uh, scientific, you know? May people who are ever worried, uh, they are actually making their life shorter. So don't worry, okay? And maybe you say, Pastor, you can easily say, don't worry, you don't know my problems. Well, I can also say, 
don't worry, because you don't know my problems. <laughs> and probably my problems are far, far bigger than yours. But anyway, that is uh, besides the point, okay? Jesus says, do not worry. Whether your problems are big or small, that's not the issue. The issue is that God is greater. Greater than your problems, greater than your need, greater than your, your deficiencies. You know, God is in charge, he's in control. And he wants really to meet you at the point of your needs. That is what he has promised. And God keeps his promise. So Jesus says, look at the birds. They do not sow, they do not reap, they do not store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Okay, how big is a bird? You know, some of them are very small. Some of them are a bit bigger. And they thrive. It's amazing, it's amazing how many uh, different types of birds we have, even in our nation. You know, I remember one day when I went to, when we went to uh, uh, Luangwa Park, uh, you know, I, I, I made it a point to, to take photographs from, from as many birds as I could. And I was very amazed. And later on, when I talked to the, the guide, he told me that actually the, the number of uh, birds or the, 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 the types of birds that uh, they have in the park are far outnumbering any other animals that are there. Okay, so God takes care of the birds. He's the one who created them. He's the one who cares for, for them too. He's feeding them, for sure. They have never, have you ever seen a bird going on the field and uh, beginning to, to, to plow? Beginning to, uh, you know, turn the, the take, take off the grass or do anything? No, birds don't do this. And yet they have everything they ever need. Amazing. You know, it's, 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 it's actually mind-boggling. You know, just before <clears throat> I left Germany, I went to the grave of my parents and my brother, uh, and I put some flowers there, and you know, I was so amazed that on the, on the graves, there was a lot of life. You know, usually we think of, 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 um, of, of a grave being a place of death. But actually, you know, graves in Europe, in Germany, they're very groomed. And they put usually live flowers on those graves. And so there were a lot of bees, a lot of insects. They were making honey from the grave. Imagine. So life has not come to an end, but life continues. Even so, this is a grave where somebody is buried, but they are continuing with life. That's amazing. That's a promise, you know? So uh, once we are gone and we are buried, life continues. Amen? That's not the end. We know that there will be a day when God will call us out of the grave and we will be with the Lord forever. So there is a wonderful promise that God has given to us that he is taking care of our lives as only God can take care. <clears throat> Verse 28, Matthew 6, 28. And why do you worry about clothes? Clothes. Okay, we all need them, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with clothes, just less like there's nothing wrong with food. We all need, need these things. These are stables. These are 
basics that we need in life. But Jesus said, see how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed one of these. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more close you? Or you of little faith. Okay? Even those of you of little faith, God is taking care of you. Praise the Lord. He's providing you the food. He's providing you the clothing that you require. So do not worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Now, you can see the, the, the split here now. If you don't have God in your life, if you don't trust Jesus in your life, then you are just like a pagan. You know, you may not call yourself a pagan. Sometimes you call yourself even a Christian, but God is very far from your reality. And, and, and the word of God says, you know, the pagan run after these things because for them, that, those things are life. And of course, you could continue, you know, the food, the clothes, uh, the, the luxuries and all the other things that, that are out there today. People are looking, people are running for those things. But we are not pagans. Praise the Lord. Amen. We are believers. And as believers, we know that God takes care of our lives. Okay, and Jesus makes it very clearly that yes, the pagans run after these things, but for us, your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. And that's why we must make a choice. We must have a priority decision that we make in life. We need to set our priorities life so that we keep our life on the right track. And he says, but seek first. Okay, first is first, isn't it? It's not last, it's not second, it's not third. First is first. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So the kingdom of God should be our first priority because we are children of the kingdom. Okay, why should you be a child? Uh, why should you who is a child of the kingdom be worried about the things that are outside the kingdom? So God says, seek first his kingdom. And then as you put the priorities right, God will take care of the other things that are coming thereafter. Okay, God is not against you having the food that you need. Of course, he knows that. He knows that you need your clothing. He knows that you need to transport. He knows all of the things that you need. But priority is important. Priority matters. And that's why we need to set our priorities right. Seeking our, the kingdom of God first. Now the Bible tells us that we must not miss what is important? You know, there are choices that we have to make. And let me just read from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 19. As you can see, most of the scriptures that I'm reading today are actually words of Jesus. And if you say, well, I've heard this before, fine and good. The question is, are you living by them? 
Not whether you've heard it before, but are you living by them? And this is the challenge that we have. Because hearing is one thing, but we must be not only hearers of the word, but we must be doers of the word. And so Matthew chapter 9, 6 verse 19 says, again, Jesus is speaking here, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Very interesting word, isn't it? Is, is that not most of the business that we are seeing out there today? I mean, look at the stock markets. Look at all the money that is changing hands every single day. You know, people are trying to make, uh, to make uh, money out of uh, whatever they can in order to store up treasures for themselves. And, and please don't think that I'm against business. You know, yesterday we had a very interesting session uh, with the youth talking about business. And actually, if you read the scriptures, you find that Jesus says, I must be about my father's business. Okay, so if the father has a business, that means he's a businessman. Okay, in fact, he created this world, just a businessman, no, but he's actually having most of the business. In fact, he created this world and he gave so many opportunities for so many different businesses. So God is not against business. But God is against us choosing business first, okay? God is against us choosing mammon first. No, we must have our priorities right. In fact, you know, uh, God says mine is silver and gold. There's nothing wrong with silver and gold. It's God who made it. And he made all the treasures in this world. Everything is his. But if we look for those things without him, then we are wasting our time. And so listen carefully what Jesus says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay, so in other words, Jesus says, you need to have a bank account that is not subject to the rules of uh, the world economy, but it is subject to God's economy, okay? You must have an account in heaven, and the account in heaven can be a lot of things, you know? It doesn't mean that you have to throw your money up into the sky, okay? Like this, um, this rabbi who said, you know, <clears throat> Uh, they read the scripture, God, give to God what is, belongs to God and, 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 and give to Caesar what, uh, what uh, belongs to Caesar. And then they said, okay, <clears throat> uh, what belongs to God, we give to God. So they throw it up and since it fell down again, it says God brought it back, so it's mine now. <laughs> no, that's, that's of course a, a very frivolous kind of way of interpretation. Uh, that's not the way we should do things. Now, but God says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and rust do not destroy and receive also. Okay, one thing I have seen while I was traveling in the last few weeks, I mean, people are worried, you can't believe it. People are so worried because, you know, their hearts is where their treasures are. And right now, uh, you know, the economy is shaking. Uh, a lot of uh, investments have lost 10, 15, 20, 30% of value. Some people who, are, who were investing into, into uh, uh, 
the Bitcoin, you know, the currency that is actually not something that you can touch, but which is kept on the, on the computer. Uh, that, that Bitcoin, you know, it started out very, very small, and then it went up to $60,000 for one Bitcoin. Now, if you have uh, had some Bitcoins, you know, let's say you had two Bitcoins, you had $120,000. Now the Bitcoin has come down to less than 20, I think 19 or something like that. I don't know what, what it is today. So from $120,000 now you have uh, maybe 38 or 35,000. And some people have worried. You know, some people have, have, you know, fits of rage because of the money they have lost. Some people have lost everything because their hearts are with their, their values system, okay? And, and you know, whenever you invest, your heart must not, be, must not be with your money. Your heart must always be with the Lord. Amen? You know, whatever investment you make, you know, committed in the hands of the Lord so that he will safeguard it. So sometimes we, we think we are clever. We are making a, a lot of money in a very short period of time, and then instead we, we lose it. This world, but our treasures should be with God. Our hearts should be with God. Then he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, you know, if, if you invest into things that are not God, then, you know, darkness will take over and will take all your hope away. And then scripture says, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, or God and money. Because mammon is a, is a word that is uh, used for money. Very interesting. <clears throat> Jesus does not say, you cannot serve two masters, either God or Satan. Actually, Satan doesn't even feature there. Do you know that? The enemy of God is not actually Satan. It's money. Okay? Money, when we are putting our wrong priority to the things that cannot last. So, Let us consider for a moment the life of a young man who through whatever circumstances became a very rich young man. Maybe he inherited, or maybe he hit a jackpot, or maybe he bought some uh, you know, digital currencies, or whatever the case may have been. You know, in those days, of course, some of these things were not there. And we read about this young man in the book of Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. The Bible says, now a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? 
What good thing must I do to get eternal life? So this young man, he felt he had already made it almost completely with his life because he was a good guy according to his own estimate. He was righteous according to his own considerations, self-righteous, you know. Uh, he, 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 was, he was really boasting with what he made. But he realized deep inside his heart there's something missing. Maybe I've... I've hit 98 or even 99, but there is one missing. Something is missing. So he came to Jesus and said, what is that thing? Tell me so that I, I add that one thing to my 99 or my 98, I add two, whatever the case may be. What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus replied, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey his commandments. So in other words, Jesus said, why do you call me good? Because, or, or look for something good? Because only one is good and that is God. Amen? There's nothing else that you can call good except, except God. Nothing in this world you can call good. Even if it's quite good. Even if it's very good, it will never be 100%. Anything that we produce will have some kind of stain, some kind of shortcoming. That's a fact. And so Jesus says, there's only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. And Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, these are part of the Ten Commandments. And uh, this man said, all these I have kept. The young man says, all these I have kept. One, another, um, one of the records in the other uh, Gospels says, says, I have kept it for my youth. So this guy was looking like immaculate. He was doing exactly what God was commanding. And... Truly, I mean, he should have been looked as a, as a good guy. Then Jesus answered. That's why always it's important before you make a judgment, first listen to what Jesus says, okay? Then Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, okay, Yes, you consider yourself good. You consider yourself having reached to a very high degree where you think you should be. But if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, when the young man heard this, okay, I mean, this is a prescription that Jesus gives. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Very interesting, isn't it? So this man who came to, in his own estimate, to 95, 96, 97, 98, maybe 98.5, I don't know, maybe 99, he was looking for the one thing that he missed because he realized I, I'm not yet 
sure of eternal life. So I want to be sure of eternal life. And Jesus turned his world upside down. There was nothing wrong with having all this, those possessions. The problem is that this young man was not serving God, he was serving mammon. Okay? He took mammon as his God. You see, money is good if it is a servant. And money should be your servant, okay? Never look at money as somebody or as something that demands from you what is supposed to be done. Make money your servant. Let money serve you and serve the kingdom of God, okay? When you can do this, then money will be a great, great blessing, okay? Yesterday I was saying, you know, God wants us to be business-minded. In fact, God has given us ability to see opportunities. And you know, business means that you see an opportunity where people need help and you provide that help and you make money out of it. Very simple. Okay, you trade goods and services. And uh, you know, even before money, you know, cash money, currency money was there, there was uh, butter trade. So people were exchanging goods and services with each other. But the, the, the real idea here is that, you know, when you, when you not uh, put you things of money, they must not rule you. They must not uh, put you under their control. And, you know, actually God has given us a very, very good measure how we can find out whether money controls us or not. That's why God gave us the rule of tithing, of giving, Okay? Now, if you have problem of giving, if you have problem of tithing regularly from your, from your income, 10% of your income, that means money is not your servant, but money is your master. Okay, maybe that will hurt you, but uh, it is still true. Okay? So, in other words, God wants us to, to really find ways to to find a niche of how we can serve the community, how we can be building a business. And, and I believe that, you know, God has created millions and millions of opportunities for people to build a business, okay? In one way or the other, every one of us can build a business. Even if you are in employment, fine, but you can still build a business. You can still serve others in some ways and, you know, receive a benefit out of that. But when you make money, money should not rule you. And now, as we have seen it so many times, once people are making it in life, you know, as they say, I've made it, then you don't see them in church anymore. Then now they live for their money because the money rules them. Now there's no space for God anymore because they are afraid, well, God may be asking for something from my money. But the, the Bible is very clear that those who are seeking to keep their life, they will lose it. Those who are trying to preserve their money, they will lose it. But if you give it away, it will also actually multiply and it will become more and more. Think about that. Okay? So your money is meant to be a blessing. If it's not a blessing to the body of Christ, to the kingdom of God, then you're not seeking the kingdom of God first. 
And if it's not a blessing to the kingdom of God, then I will tell you it is not a blessing to you either. Even if you think, oh, I've got that money. I, I, I need to hold it. Actually, you may do the best you can to hold your money. If something happens, it may be gone overnight. And you know, I've met people who have lost a lot of money. More money than I ever had in my life. More money than I've ever seen on, in one place. And they said, I had all this money, but I lost it. So would you feel pity about such people? I'm feeling sorry, you know. No, I'm not feeling sorry. I'm saying you made a wrong choice. You put a wrong priority forward to live your life by priorities that cannot give you life, that cannot give you a future. Okay? Money has come through my hands a lot, you know, but it didn't stay in my hands. Because whenever money comes, I always find an immediate use for it. Okay? I plant. I built. I have visions. And have means to, 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 to imagine greater things that God can do. So money is, is actually only valuable when you let it flow. When you hold it, it loses value. Okay, because it will not be able to do what it's supposed to do. And that's what we must avoid. So Jesus very clearly says, no one can serve two masters. So make your choice. Who should be your master? Is it God or is it Mammon? And if it is Mammon, don't forget, Satan is hanging on that, on that Mammon. So you will, you will actually trade with him in the long run. So Jesus saw this young man entangled with mammon. And a small addition of a little blessing here or there would not be able to do anything. And that's why Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm not going to give you that little thing that you are looking for in order to get eternal life. Actually, you need to start afresh. You need to get rid of everything you have. And only then you can you put your priorities right. Of course, how God will deal with you or me is maybe different. But uh, as for this young man, the Bible shows us this. He loved money more than he loved God. He wanted to have eternal life, but it was not... He was not prepared to let his money go because money controlled him. Money was his God, so he could not let go. That's why Jesus calls us to be a disciple, that we should carry our cross and follow Jesus. As we have been reading earlier on, In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life 
Those who want to save their lives, they also want to save their, 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 uh, their treasures, they will lose them. Okay? They will lose life itself. But whoever loses life for me will find it. It looks like a you know, contradiction. Consider Saul. You know, Saul was a, a very zealous man who wanted to make a name to persecute the early Christians and, 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 you know, eradicate the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did everything possible. He was full of anger, full of hate, and he was, he was uh, doing the best he could in order to pursue those who he knew were following the Lord Jesus Christ. But then Saul, on his way to Damascus, met his match, okay? When he met Jesus, and Jesus was asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul came to realize that he was on the wrong track. And instead of distributing threats and death and persecution, he became a man who started preaching the good news, a man who preached peace. And how wonderful, you know, is it when we make the right choice in our life, we can be able to be re remembered for not only for, for, for the rest of our lives, but for the rest of history. Look here, Saul, if he would have continued to, to, to persecute, eventually would have just been killed in the process. And maybe we would not even remember him. But this man became a disciple. He was the one who was able to do what this other young man was not able to do. You know, he let go of everything that he had. I mean, he was well-trained. He came from a good family's background. He was a Roman citizen. You know, Saul of Tarsus. That was a name people remembered, people knew. But he let everything go. This other young man, he went away, searched his name, not do that. But Saul did it. God changed his name. God changed his profession. You know, he made him an apostle. Somebody was not there with the, with the other apostles walking with Jesus, but he became an apostle, you know, even outside of his normal time. And most of the New Testament was written by this man who was able to let go of everything. And he gained much more than he lost. What he lost was just trash. But what he gained was life, exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can even count. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. So God wants us to be disciples, but as disciples, we need to carry the cross and follow Jesus Christ. And of course, there are people who feel this is tough, this is hard to do. But I want to tell you, this is not true. It may sound difficult, it may sound hard, but in the long run, run, actually, it's a blessing. So be willing to lose 
whatever Jesus may ask you because you will find blessings that are exceedingly great. True life. What looks to be hard is actually easy because you get carried by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And then finally, let me just read this one again. I read it in the beginning. You know, uh, Jesus speaks to us in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 11. All things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son, and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Isn't that powerful? You know, those of you who are afraid that maybe it's hard to carry our cross. No, actually, when you, when you really follow the instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ, carry your cross, okay? The cross, of course, may sound dangerous because the cross that Jesus carried was actually taking his life because he was crucified on that cross and he gave up his life. But of course, he was not only giving up his life, he was actually gaining life for all of us. He was bringing victory to every single one of us. And Jesus teaches us that carrying our cross is actually not hard, but it is easy. Jesus invites us to learn from him. Come, join me. Okay? All those of you who are very, and how many of us are very, you know, I mean, we are often worn out. We are often getting tired. We have got so many burdens that we carry. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Praise God. Rest for your soul. So take my yoke is, is, a, is, a, is an implement that crosses the, the, the uh, two animals. Okay? So one of uh, us is Christ and one of us is us. And we are walking in unison with Christ. So we take that yoke. So in other words, we learn the speed of Christ. Okay? We go, go in stop a lockstep with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we learn from him. This is powerful. And you know, as we learn from Jesus, we are going to be ministered to, we are going to I am wonderful things happening to us because Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Okay? Jesus is gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. So God wants to give us rest. God wants to put, it as, put us at ease. And he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The burden of this world is very tough. If you make a mistake, it punishes you. 
But if we make a mistake walking with Jesus, he helps us. He stretches us. He straightens us. He makes us become like him. In the system of the world, it's totally opposite. If you don't fall into line, you're being squashed aside. You have no value whatsoever. So Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you take the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry. This is a question of priorities. Every one of us is called to set our priorities right. Because that will keep us safe. That will keep us going, not only for a few years, but for eternity. And that's what Jesus is interested in. Even to the people of Israel, God was saying, I set before you a choice today. Jews, life or death. Okay, God or mammon. It's up to you. God doesn't want us to end up in eternal sorrow, but in eternal life, which is flourishing, which is full of the blessings of God every single day. Paul, who was making that choice to follow Jesus, giving everything up that he had up to that point in time, and he had a lot. He later says in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, also I'm less than the least of all of God's people. This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Praise God. This man who was rich and gave up his riches, he was now bringing the unsearchable riches of Christ to countless people, not only of his own generation, but even up to today to all of us. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God's, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Praise God. Saul was a religious zealot who only knew about God from the things he read, but he had no connection with God whatsoever. But when Jesus met him, when Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He traded everything. He let everything go. And he followed Jesus. And the result was that he became a blessing, exceedingly and abundantly great to his generation and to every generation since. And just like we have read here, you know, in him and through him, in him we have, we may have the ability to approach God with freedom and confidence. You know, those who give up mammon, 
and choose God, choose life, choose Christ. They have the freedom to come to the throne of grace. And nothing can buy the, 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 the grace of God. You know, even the people with all their dollars, uh, their pounds and their euros and whatever, their quachas, they cannot buy grace. But when we are walking with Christ, we have access to the throne of grace. We can come to him with freedom and confidence. Praise God. And my prayer is that let us make our priorities right. Let's make the right priorities supreme in our life. Priority means it's prior, it's first. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. So that should be our priority. That we choose Christ and his kingdom first. Let us pray. Lord, we want to thank you so much for your words. Your words of life. You have told us that all things are committed to you, our Lord and Savior, all things. And Lord, we are looking up to you because we know that the things of this world, they are temporary. They come and go. They're here today, gone tomorrow. In this time in, we, in, this time in which we are living, we see how fleeting the riches of this world are. How easily things can change from security or seeming security to something that is completely and utterly different and shakes the world. So Lord Jesus, we look up to you. You are our Lord and Savior. Lord, you are our priority. You must be first in our life. And I pray, Lord, even on behalf of this congregation, Lord, we make you our priority. We make you number one. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Lord, we do not worry about all the other things because your word says that all other things will be added unto us. So Lord, we keep our eyes upon Jesus. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. We trust you, Lord, that your word will never change. Lord, you have committed to yourself in your words. And there is no word of the enemy. There's no word of mammon. There's no word of Satan that we can be even build anything upon. But you have given us your word that will stand in time and in eternity. So Lord, we give you praise. And I ask you, Lord, let this word that we have heard today not just be a word that we have heard but let it be a word that we put into practice. That you will be our priority. That you will be our God. And everything else will be second. But even our treasures in this world will be second. Will be our servant. Money will be our servant. But you are our Lord. To you be the glory and the honor. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your words that will 
stand the test of time and eternity. To you be the glory. And everyone say, Amen. Amen.